Welcome to another episode of Take Action. I am Pastor Keon Henderson. I give leadership to the Lighthouse Church, and what a joy it is uh, to be joining you this evening with a word that I believe is designed to help you to see God in a more intimate way. You know, oftentimes we are confused about what part of the Godhead we're speaking about. And we had a very, very, very in-depth and intense conversation uh, in our North location this past Sunday about the works of the Holy Spirit. I did not get a chance to finish the message. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to take that same idea, break it down in smaller frames, and I can already tell you that I am just about certain that you're going to have to make room for me uh, to be on this subject for the next several weeks. So I want you to hunker down. I want you to focus because I'm getting ready to tell you what I believe is one of the most important messages that has been often left out of the New Testament church conversation. You know, we talk about God, we talk about Jesus, and we talk about the Holy Spirit. And we talk about them as separate, and they are separate, but they are also one. Uh, you can find, uh, there's one scripture that says, uh, my father and I are one. That's Jesus talking about uh, God the Father. And also, I want you to know that God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit are all three in one and one in three, three in office, one in purpose, however you want to frame it. And I think that one of the best ways I've been able to describe uh, the, the triune God or what we call the Trinity is this way. Now, I want every one of you all to imagine that you have a parent, which we all do, whether they are with us or gone home to be with the Lord, um, that you are a parent, which means that you have a child. And let's just suppose, for the sake of imagination, that your child has a child, which makes you a grandmother. Now, you may say, Pastor, don't call me a grandmother. I'm a TT or a pawpaw, whatever you are. Let's just imagine you were born to somebody, somebody was born to you, and somebody was born to what you bore, which would be a grandchild. You are your parent's child. You are your child's parent. And you are your children's children's grandparent. You didn't have to become three people to fill all of those seats. Just by the very nature of who you are, you get a chance to operate in the, uh, the multiplicity of different expressions of personhood, right? So you are the child of a parent. You also have your own children. And your children have had children. And you don't have to be three different people but you operate differently when you are in connection with those three people, right? So you go to your parents and you what? Yes, ma'am. No, sir. Your children to you are no, ma'am, no, sir. But to them you are, hey, do what I said. But your grandchildren, oh, don't be too hard on them. Let them, let them have a break. You see the difference? and how you approach every relationship. Or you are the employee at a company. 
or you are in a book club or you're in a fraternity or sorority. You operate differently in all of those different genres, but you don't have to become a different person in order to operate in those places. This is the way God has set up the Trinity, which is Trinity, three, tricycle, three wheels, triangle, three sides. The Trinity, the, the three-in-one God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we've been talking about the person of the Holy Spirit for the last couple weeks. And I wanted to uh, bring you back in on that conversation. Now, I want you to go to John chapter 14, verse 26. John chapter 14, verse 26. And I'm going to read this text in, I'm going to start off in the New International Version of the Bible, the NIV. Here's what the Bible says. And I'm going to read it. All right, let's, let's see, class. Let's go NIV. Let's go King James Version of the Bible. And then I'll go to the New King James Version of the Bible. The Bible says in John 14, verse 26, it says, but the advocate, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, listen to this, and will remind you of everything I have said. Now, that's the New International Version of the Bible. Let's read John 14 and 26 in the King James Version of the Bible. But the Comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whosoever I have said unto you. Whatsoever, I'm so sorry. Whatsoever I have said unto you. Let's go New King James Version of the Bible. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. I want to, I really want to zero in on the, <clears throat> the second part or the third part, if you will, of John 14, 26. The Bible says that the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, listen to this will teach you all things. So the Holy Spirit is a teacher. And will remind you of everything I have said to you. So not only is he a teacher, he's a reminder. This, this is huge because it is the Holy Spirit that reminds us of everything that Jesus said. Now, why am I talking about this? Because we spend so much time in our uh, New Testament approach to Christianity talking about Jesus. And let me be very, very clear. I'm going to say this in a way where no one can make a splice out of this and make um, a, a clip uh, opposite of anything that I intend. I absolutely believe <clears throat> that Jesus Christ is the Redeemer. I sincerely believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. 
I sincerely believe that it was him who said there is no way to the Father except by me. I believe that we must confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, that we must believe in our heart that God has raised his son from the dead, and I believe based on that salvific principle that we are saved. That being said, the Bible specifically says that the work of Jesus is already done. Okay? The work of Jesus is already done. And the way we know that is because he says in the word, Jesus said that I came to seek and save that which is lost. And he came to give life as a, <clears throat> as a ransom for many. And he died on the cross. And he said, it is finished. Now, that's his work. It's done. He was born the guilt of our sins. Remember, the Bible says that, that the chastisement of our peace was laid upon him. He was wounded and bruised for our sins and iniquities. And then the Bible says that by his stripes, we are healed. So that is our direct link to Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. We do that through his suffering and through his stripes, the bruises that he uh, endured for you and I. Okay? He specifically says, it is finished. And then he says in John 14, 12, Jesus said that, that his disciples, <clears throat> those at the time and you and I, will not only continue in his work, but what does the Bible say? That we will do greater ones because he goes to the Father. Literally, today I was walking through the hallway and one of our staff members stopped me and said, Pastor, I'm learning something new about this Holy Spirit thing. He said, now, who do we pray to? Who do we pray to? He said, because I was taught that we pray to God. I said, <clears throat> you do pray to God. But remember that duality, that triune God, which part of the Godhead do you pray to? Well, you absolutely pray to God the Father. Pastor, give me Bible. Okay. Jesus was with his disciples, and his disciples said to him, Jesus, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples. He said, sure, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. So it is very clear that we pray to God the Father. But it is also clear that God knew, knows, and will never know sin. And since God knows, never has, nor ever will know sin, then he cannot stand the sight of sinful man, which is why he destroyed the world with a flood, because he had to abstain and wash the world from sin. So what does he do to ensure that he doesn't have to do it again? Now he gives us, watch this, the intermediary, intermediator. He gives us the intercessor in the personality of Jesus the Christ. So now Jesus stands in between God and his creation. 
And that's why the chastisement of our peace and our sins and our guilt were placed on Jesus because in Old Testament times, there always had to be a sacrifice for all sin. So now Jesus is the Lamb of God, the Lamb slain once and for all, the foundation before the foundation of the world to ensure that no other sacrifice for sin will be necessary in the earth other than that of Jesus Christ. So you pray to God the Father, but now Jesus stands in between so that when we do pray, Jesus becomes the intercessor and he, and he listen, intercedes, transforms, translates the impurity of our heart to a pure God to ensure that the filth of our words doesn't reach the ears of God. So let me give you a practical example. You, you say, uh, Lord, Lord, forgive me of my sins. But really in your heart, you haven't let that grudge go. Jesus goes on your behalf and says, Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. You see that? <clears throat> now, that's God the Father, God the Son. Now, what we have done in our Christian exercise is we have grossly left out the third part of the Trinitarian process. And that is, you guessed it, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And what we did is we went to Acts chapter 13 to have this conversation. And what I wanted you to know, and listen, this is a real Bible study. So I want you to grab your Bibles, get your apps, because we're getting ready to dive into the Word of God. That's why I know for sure that we probably won't get this done. I'm telling you right now, this might be a part two. Okay, so just, just get yourself together and make sure that you have time for me every Tuesday until we get done with this. Okay? Because this is going to be a transformational moment in your Christos. I, I, I'm, I want you to really settle down and give me the opportunity to shake your theological tree, upset norms, and then you come to your own conclusion. Do I have your permission? If I have your permission, I need you to go in the chat right now and put some flames and let me know, Rev, you got my permission. I'm going to wait. I'm looking for my team to tell me right now if the flames have started. Guys, have the flames started? Okay, the flames are coming in. So, so just remember, you gave me this permission. When we read the books of Acts, the book of Acts, which is not a letter written by Paul, it just talks about Paul, we're almost certain that the same writer that wrote Luke is the same writer that wrote Acts. And what you must understand about Luke is Luke is the only Gentile writer in the whole scripture. So what do I mean by Gentile? Well, in the days of scripture, you had Jews which were the chosen people of God who had a religion called Judaism. A Gentile was anybody who was not a Jew. So let me just put it in, in our vernacular. African-Americans, we're Gentiles according to the scriptures. Asians, um, Africans, uh, Australians, uh, uh, Koreans, anybody who was not a Jew was considered a Gentile. 
And what we have said, according to the book of Acts, is this is the Acts of the Apostles. Because in history, we've often seen the Acts of the Apostles, those apostles. Listen, we're going all the way down to the granule level. An apostle, according to the scripture, was one who walked with God. One who walked with God. So why does the Bible call Peter, the disciple, an apostle? Because he walked with God. We can prove it. He was with God, Jesus, in the Garden of Gethsemane when the Sanhedrin Council came to take him to prison. Paul was the other one that walked with God in the book of Acts. So we've got Paul and Peter who we see mentioned in the book of Acts. Now, John is mentioned a few times. I know there's some theologians that will come and say, hey, John is in there too. He is mentioned a few times. And also James, the son of Zebedee, who was the fisherman. Those are the four readily identifiable and precise um, punctuations for, for men who walked with God in the scripture, the Acts of the Apostles. But if you really read this book from Acts 2, 3, 4, 13, what you're actually seeing is the act of the Holy Spirit in conjunction with the apostles, which is why I said to our ministry on Sunday in our sermon, he'll bring you out, and this is he'll bring you out, part two, is that you're talking about the gospel of the Holy Spirit more than you're talking about the acts of the apostles. Because the Holy Spirit was the one that was there when Paul and Silas started praising and praying and the bars flew open. The Holy Spirit was there when Paul and Barnabas separated with John and Mark and Silas and went their separate ways. The Holy Spirit was there on the day of Pentecost and, and, and every person spoke in their own language but they were understood and the, there was the sound of a mighty rushing wind. That was the Holy Spirit and I know it because the Bible says and the Spirit sat on the church. So we're talking about the, the gospel of the Holy Spirit. And so it is in my humble opinion that we have spent so much time in the church talking about what Peter did and what, what, what Peter did, cutting a man's ear off and walking on water and what Paul did, being blinded on the road to Damascus and three missionary journeys. Uh, uh, I think it was uh, three to five times he had been beaten and stoned to death, one time bitten by a snake, a thorn in the flesh, lest uh, he be exalted above measure. Look at all of the stuff that Paul did. Talking about John. Great job, John. James, the son of Zebedee. All of these great people we talk about in the scripture. The, the Hebrew boys, the uh, 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 Daniel and the lions, then Joseph. We talk about Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And if we can mention all of those gentlemen, and, and let me not be a uh, 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 sexist and just talk about men. Let's talk about Esther and let, let's talk about uh, all, all of the different women in the scripture, Sarah and Elizabeth and, and Rachel, all of the women who were, who were uh, uh, not able to be pregnant because they were barren and still gave us uh, some of the best men that the world has ever seen. Elizabeth gave us John the Baptist. Rachel gave us some of the tribes of Israel. 
When we look at all of these great women, Mary gave us Jesus. Mary and Martha presented a home for Jesus so that he could come and rest from his weary travel. Esther, the niece of Mordecai, who was actually the female who opened the door for God to come and take the church further uh, towards his New Testament strategy. Men and women alike who are mentioned in our churches all around the world, but nobody's talking about the Holy Ghost. And without the Holy Ghost, there is no John the Baptist because who told him? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Who told him that? It was God, but he descended like a dove. What's a dove? It is a metaphor for the Holy Ghost. If it was not for the Holy Ghost, there would be no Pentecost. If there was not for the Holy Ghost, there would be no, uh, no forgiveness amongst us in the, in the New Testament church. In fact, the Bible says in John 16, let me put it this way. He says, it is better for you, this is Jesus talking, that I leave so the helper could come. So we've got to get our conversations and our bearings about us, about the Holy Ghost. And then I gave them an example on Sunday. You got to go back and watch it about the Holy Spirit uh, being called in the Old Testament, the New Testament, um, uh, in the Greek word parakletos, which means paraclete. And I gave this, this theological designation of the Holy Spirit as the paraclete. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a word that literally means to co come alongside. And, and if you watched it, you heard me say that. And so the examples I gave was if you get sick, a paramedic comes alongside uh, to help you. If you, if you jump out of a plane, a parachute helps you. If you take the words of a paragraph and put your words alongside it, it's called paraphrasing. So it means to come alongside. So the Holy Spirit comes alongside us. Now, this is why God doesn't make you do anything. He just comes alongside. So, you know, we got all of this stuff going on in the world, man. There's so much stuff going on in the world and, and you wonder what in the world is happening with all of the shootings and, you know, and, and people who are agnostic are, or at least calculated Christians or uh, are those who are frustrated Christians or those who question God want to say, well, well, why does God let this stuff happen? Because he's the paraclete. He comes alongside because if he makes anybody do anything, then he would have to make everybody do everything because he cannot become inconsistent in the areas where we are inconsiderate. So if God makes the killer not kill, then he has to also make the liar not lie, and then he has to also make the drunk not drink, and he has to also, and he has to also, and before you know it, free will is gone, and then there is no faith. Oh, by the way, without faith, it is impossible to please God. So God didn't create a world full of yes men and no men. He created a world full of men who could say yes and no. 
You need to hear what I just said. He did not create a world with yes men and no men. In other words, he didn't point and say, you do this and you do that. He gave us all the options and gave us the opportunity to either accept or reject him because faith is the only thing that pleases God. And the way you please God is by choosing him. Now, the Holy Spirit comes alongside for those of us who choose him. He comes alongside and now he's our helper. Now he's our protector, which somebody out there ought to start shouting right now because you were in the area where there was trouble. You were in the area where things went down. You were in the area where somebody got in a car accident. Somebody broke into a house in your neighborhood. There was an apartment in your apartment complex that was broken into, but none came nigh you. Why? Because the Holy Ghost stood alongside. Somebody ought to just, I ain't even into the sermon yet, but somebody ought to just start typing in the chat, thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Say it again. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, now let me ask you this question or pose one, I should say. Who is the Holy Spirit? Because in my opinion, he is one of the most beautiful parts of who God is. Now, we need the Holy Spirit in our life as a conduit to help us to continue to access the grace of God. Here on our campus right now, we are under construction in a lot of different areas. Our Dream Center is just about a month away from being finished. Glory to God on that. When you build a building, especially here in Texas, it rains so much that the water finds a different direction. And when we built the Dream Center um, on what I would consider, if you're facing the church, the left side of the building or the north side of the building, uh, the south side of the building, uh, the water then ran north. So that automatically tells you that the property is situated in such a way uh, where it looks even to the eye, but water says you can almost be even, but I'll find your inconsistency. And so the water runs uh, to the north side of the building. Well, the reason why that water is sitting there and we are currently uh, connecting that uh, water to our detention pond is because the drainage is there, but it was not connected to the detention pond. So the, the pipes are there, but the connection isn't there. So, so the water continues to feel the connections, but it doesn't drain away because the connections are not connected to an outlet or a source. And I said to the contractors, and they're getting started on it immediately, I said, because hurricane season is coming to Texas, and let me tell you something, it takes one rain and everything is over. And so now they are connecting the drain to the source because you, you, we would be flooded out without the connection. Now, what I'm getting at is, is the Holy Spirit is our connection to the outlet. And when you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're flooded with emotions. When you don't have the Holy Spirit, you're flooded 
with anger. You're flooded with grief. You're flooded with grudge. See, the Holy Spirit is the conduit that allows us to unload what we've been flooded with. And so, so the reason why you see some people who are happy in a situation and you see some people who are sad, I wish I had all of y'all in church right now because I'd have you look at your neighbor and say, I'm no better than you, but I got the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost that holds the rain. It's the Holy Ghost that banishes the pain. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Ghost. And he is, in my opinion, one of the most beautiful parts of God, and we need him. And through his power, he aids us in every situation. In fact, I'm going to say this, and this is going to be controversial for people who like to use Jesus' name for everything. You may have accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, but if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you are powerless. Oh God, they're going to be tweeting me on that one. No. The Bible says Jesus got up with all power in heaven and in earth in his hand. You don't have any power except the power he gives you. And the power he has given you is the Holy Spirit. Our first encounter with the Holy Spirit, though, and this is why it's difficult, is he, convict, he convicts us of our sins. Man, oh God, it's going to be rough because let me tell you something. What is not, I'm, listen, and I don't want to be absolute on anything. There are absolutely many, many preachers doing it. But it is not what gets shared on TikTok and Instagram. It's not, it's not the thing that people are sharing and retweeting. And that is the conviction of sin. We literally live in a society where we are making an argument that we should be able to do whatever we want to do because we have been forgiven by Jesus Christ on the cross. And let me tell you, it is a flat out lie. Jesus Christ did not come to abolish the law. What does that mean? He did not come so, the, so that thou could kill. He did not come so that thou could lie. He still says that thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not lie, thou shalt not, shalt not. Ten times he tells us not to. He gives us Jesus Christ so that we're not condemned to eternal fire as a result of not doing it. We are the beneficiaries of the blood of Jesus Christ. But let me tell you something. He, he protects us from the consequences of sin, but he does not protect us from the wages of it. Which means, I'm not going to hell because I sinned, but I will have hell on earth if I keep doing it. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. He's our buffer. He reveals to us the judgment that is coming to those who die without a Savior. Why do you think in the book of Genesis, when Noah wanted to find out where was the water still at flood stage, you know what he sent out? The Bible says he sent out an, a dove. And when the dove returned, he knew that there was water out there still. But when the dove came back with an olive, 
branch in his mouth. He knew the water had subsided enough that the dove could find a place to land. A dove in your Bible and mine is a representation of the Holy Spirit. So Noah literally sent out the Holy Ghost. And the Holy Ghost, the helper, put him information back. I don't care how you work on this thing. You can't live a productive life just thanking Jesus for everything. Hey everybody, my name is Pastor Keon Henderson. I am the founder of an organization called Take Action Now. People are always direct messaging me and texting me and saying, Pastor, what are you doing? How can I be a part of what you're doing? And I know everybody doesn't want to be a part of the local church, but what if I told you I had a way for you to partner with me so that we can affect change throughout the world? Hence, Take Action Now, a 501c3 nonprofit organization committed to advancing individual agency and social progress by protecting, strengthening, and uplifting the underserved and disenfranchised throughout the world. We're doing humanitarian things, teaching entrepreneurism, teaching home ownership, and institutional inequities, cultural deficits. We have our ear to the ground and we need your help to make a difference. Whether it is making a sizable donation uh, to the estate of a young woman who lost her battle with cancer via the internet, and we were able to make a difference there, or whether it is in a underserved community in the Caribbean islands where the children were playing amidst rocks and glass, and we came in and broke ground recently on a park so that athletes and cheerleaders and young people in that community can have a safe place to stir up the gift inside of them. Whether it is paying the utility bills in cold climates for seniors or just helping basketball players get the proper uniforms of football players. It's just us making a difference through financial literacy and technological empowerment and mentoring services. This is what we do. And all I'm asking you to do is become a partner with me right now. And I want you to go visit TakeActionNow.org. Don't put off for tomorrow what you can do today.